are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Okay, guys. Um... I'm just going to kind of, I think, do an abbreviated message this morning. Um, I really believe that the message really goes well with the exhortation that was given, given earlier. You know, when you're, when you're preaching in a room filled with people, I can say something and our past experiences and our past interpretation, it goes through each one of our filters. And as it goes through our filters, it can be taken many different ways. Uh, for example, if we looked at the cross right now, and I would say that is red, there's red lights on the cross, there may be somebody who say, that's not red, it's, it's fuchsia. You know, it's, or, or come up with all different kind of color schemes for those, like it's, it's amazing when you're talking to, to, to people who know colors. It's like it's, it's whatever color, they're like, no, 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 it's sea foam. What's sea foam? I don't know, but some people know what that color is. You're amazing because the filter that it goes through shows you what that color scale is, and you're like, no, 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 it's not quite a, a red, but it's a this, or it's not quite this, but it's that. And in churches, each one of us have our own filter. Have you ever found yourself getting caught when you leave? That was a good service. Well, what does that mean? Was it good because Ernie did a good job this week? So it was a good service. Was it a good service because the message was applicable to you? So that means that it was a good service. Or you going home and say, ah, you know what, I didn't really get anything out of that. It's just amazing how, again, through the filters, we can come up with different conclusions, whether they're right or whether they're wrong. My father... I remember him saying to me one time, he says, I don't trust churches. And I said to him, why would you say that? And my dad was a bit of a mama's boy, and my grandmother passed away when I was one, and I never met her. But the picture that he paints, and he would use this word, that Grandma Steve's was a saint, just an amazing woman. But when she was on her deathbed, the church did nothing for her, according to my dad. Now, I don't know. Again, I was one. And my dad was in Ontario, so I don't know how he really knew. She was living in New Brunswick, how he really knew exactly what the church did. But through his filter, he made that statement that I don't trust churches to this day. Have you got some issues? Some filters that it's kind of like, hey, you know what? I don't... I know I, I know I love God. You, you're here this morning, so obviously you love God. But is there some hindrances in your life that, that make it difficult to enter into worship? That make it difficult to be able to go up to a stranger and say, you know what, I haven't seen you before. Can you and I go out for lunch afterwards? I want to, get to, I want to hear your story. Maybe there's some hindrances of, of other churches, past churches that you have participated in where it's like, you know what, that pastor was the devil, or that pastor was a great man of God. But there's different filters that we'd be able to 
look through that, and, and I've learned different things in my life. You know one thing that I've learned? When I was probably, oh, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14 years old, I was working at my father's broom factory. And I was just putting stickers on brooms, and I was making not a lot of money. But the checks would go into our bank account. And I went one day, I had my friend Joe, and I said, I got paid today, I'm going to take you out for pizza. And we went down to the bank, and I, and I put my bank card in, and when I took out, wanted to take out the $20 to be able to get money for the pizza, I realized that my check hadn't gone in yet. And my balance was zero. So he's like, well, great, you just pumped me all up and told me that we are going to get pizza, and now you can't do it. I said, I know what I'll do. So I took an envelope, and I put it in empty, and I said, $20, and I deposited it, and I took out $20. Done. I learned the hard way that banks don't like that. I, I, I honestly did not think that they would know it was me who did it. And you know what I learned that day? I learned that you cannot withdraw what you don't deposit. And in the spiritual realms, we cannot withdraw what we don't deposit. We can't, you know, all of a sudden some issue happens in our life where we're feeling like, man, I'm scraping the bottom. I'm, I'm going through a really difficult time right now. And I want the church to come around me, but yet I haven't put in, I don't know anybody. You have to remember, the church is not, again, this building. The church is not myself. It's not Pastor Hayward. We're the church. And when we have these communities that are so strong, when all of a sudden we fall upon a difficult season, we have brothers and sisters around the world who are there to support us. There's an ancient African proverb that says, I'm sure many of you in this room have heard it at one time, it simply says it takes a village to raise a child. In my life, I, I really found that. I grew up in a small town outside of Toronto called Bolton, and I lived in the same house with the same neighbors for, for 20 years of my life, for, for the first 20 years of my life. And everybody in the community met me. And, and for Cindy, that was foreign because she moved so many times. And when she came out to meet my family, we would go up to the corner store and a Korean man named Nam worked there. And he said to Cindy, he says, I remember when your fiancé was eight years old and he'd come into my store and play video games all day long. And then we went over to the bank, and, and Miss Lisa was there, and she says, I remember I opened up your fiancé's first checking account. And that's the type of community it was. But in a community like this, whenever I did anything wrong, one of the neighbors would grab me by the ear, and they would pull me back to my mom, and, and, and then I would knew that I was in real trouble because that was the type of community that we were in. One time I... I wanted to surprise my mom, so I went to one of my neighbors and I picked all of her tulips from her garden. And 
I came home and I gave them to her. And she was so happy that I got her to her. But then the neighbor came over to the house. And I don't know why, but she wasn't very happy with what I had done. You see, we knew each other. And there was not this sense of, I can't share this and I can't do this because we walked in community. Luke 10.30. If you have your Bibles, you can open them. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's not working, the uh, thing, Kurt? Robbers attacked him and they stripped off his clothes and they beat him. They went away, leaving him almost dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man. He passed by the other side. A Levite also came by. When he saw the man, he passed by the other side too. But a Samaritan came to the place where the man was. When he saw the man, he felt sorry for him. He went to him, poured olive oil and wine on his wounds and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins. He gave them to the owner of the inn. Take care of him, he said. When I return, I'll pay you back for extra expenses that you may have. See, there's so much in this scripture, and I'm sure we've all heard this scripture, the Good Samaritan, before. And you've heard it in churches about pastors who've shared about the role of the Good Samaritan and maybe the role of the, the enemy who, who was the Good Samaritan, who cared for this guy and love your enemies. I don't want to look at that today. Today I want to look at the life of the innkeeper. See, the innkeeper, the, the, it takes one man to be able to save someone, but it takes a team of people to be able to restore them. And the innkeeper, he was dropped off and paid two silver coins, but he would have had a team of people around him who would have fed him, who would have changed his band-aids, who would have brought him back to health. You see, in this room, we have a whole bunch of individuals who can save people, who can go out and share the love of Christ, who can do this kind of stuff, but it takes a community of us to be able to disciple people, to be able to walk with people, and to be able to encourage people and love on people. Love is so important. They will know we are Christians by our love. Is love emulating from your very being? Is it oozing out of your pores where, where people are like, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that girl. She seems so happy when the economy is tanked. She seems so joyful when I know that she's going through a difficult time. Perhaps she's lost a spouse or a loved one. It takes a community to be able to restore an individual. See, there's power in community. Howard Macy says, Christian community is simply sharing a common life in Christ. It moves us beyond the self-interested isolation of private lives and become the superficial social contacts that pass from Christian fellowship. The biblical ideal of community challenges us instead of committing ourselves to life together as the people of God. We know all too well that maturity takes time. We know less well that it also takes our sisters and our brothers in Christ. It's a process that is re uh, re revealed in each other language. The New Testament says, love one another, forgive one another, regard one another higher than yourselves, 
teach one another, correct one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, be friends with one another, kind and compassionate, generous in hospitality, serve one another, submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. This is just list just scratches the surface, but it's enough to remind us that we need the community of faith to grow up in Christ. Martin Luther shared that well-known speech, I have a dream. Do you have a dream? What would a church look like who totally valued one another? A church that was dedicated to community. A church that valued community so high that they put the word community into their title. Let's just say for fun, Cold Lake Community Church. Wouldn't that be awesome? Christian community is the place of continuing conversation. It's a goal that individually and together we need to become mature, standing tall and straight, walking in the fullness of God. Ephesians 4, verse 11 says, Now these are the gifts of Christ that gave us to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ." This will continue until we come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that will be mature in the Lord, measuring unto the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will not, no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with their lies so clever because they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes us the whole fit totally uh, together perfectly as each part does in his own special work. It helps that other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. See, when we talk about the importance of accountability, there's people who don't want to walk in accountability, and I understand that. Like, who wants someone to come alongside and say, you know what, you're sinning. You know what? Stop doing this. Stop doing that. And, and, and their role is to point out faults. But as Cindy shared earlier, accountability as Jesus walked in that place and said to Peter, I want restoration. I want you to walk in that place, Peter, of, of love. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I do. Then feed my sheep. He was bringing forth that spirit of restoration through the gift of love. You know what accountability is doing? Accountability sits there and not pokes at false, but says, you know what? Do you remember the dream that God gave you? Do you remember the vision that you shared with me? Are you still on track for that? Well, well, no, I, I've got this in there. Well, then why don't you stop that and go for God? Why don't you go hard for Jesus Christ? Why don't you do what he's calling you to do? And you spurn. You, it's like when you're trying to start a fire and the fire burns and then all of a sudden it goes down to the coals and you throw on a log, another log and it just starts to smoke. But you just go, and the flame goes. That's accountability. That's walking beside one another, loving one another, growing together, reminding each other of the dreams that God has placed in each and every one of our hearts. Community is who we are. It's what we strive to become. Community is fun. It's life. But yet it's also challenging. 
For the Bible tells us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Are you willing to press in and laugh and rejoice other, other people's, over other people's victories when you're in a dark time yourself? That's hard. Because immediately the, uh, the, uh, the enemy starts to whisper, that's not fair. <laughs> you know, I, I, when Cindy and I, for 10 years, we couldn't have kids and I was a youth pastor. And when we would go and we would, we would be praying and crying and saying, God, give us, give us the desires of our heart. And then all of a sudden, maybe one teenager becomes pregnant. And it's like, Lord, that's not fair. They don't want that baby. And God, we want a baby so bad. But what kind of a pastor would I be if all of a sudden I allowed jealousy to take over and say, you know what? I'm going to smuck you. I'm going to smash you, crush you because of the word of God. Instead of coming alongside and seeing restoration come to that little girl's life. It's happened. And to this day, I still love that kid. I still love that mom. My friends, can you rejoice when inside you want what that person just received? Can you weep when somebody is broken and just absolutely devastated? You know, truthfully, the strength of community, it's up to you. For where you spend the majority of your energies, the majority of your relationships, that is what you will learn to fall back on when you're in need. Let me just share with you the difference between community and teamwork. When the task is done, the team disbands. Community is deeper than that. Community lives close. Community watches out for one another. They have similar values. They are like-minded in what they want to be and why. Spiritual community is even deeper than that. Spiritual community says, I want to know you beyond surface level, for I care about the dreams you have, and I believe in the promises that God has spoken over you. We are more like-minded when we are journeying towards the same uh, end. The end of being so full of God's presence that no one is safe from experiencing the gospel or the least receiving a blessing. Spiritual community, my friends, it's costly. It costs time, it costs money, and we need to be intentional. It's messy. You have to walk through hard times that we wouldn't normally choose to walk through. It's accountable. Often we think of accountability in terms of, Scripture says, speak the truth in love. Let's just take a look at that Scripture in the full context. It's in Ephesians 4. They will no longer be infants tossed back forth with the waves blowing here by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking in the truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Christ, that is the head of Christ, from the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part of it works. We see here that speaking the truth to a brother or sister in spiritual community is not calling out or exposing shortcomings or sin, but a calling up to grow in maturity. Sounds like, hey, remember that promise? Remember what God shared for you? That is what is good. So many people here can testify that they're walking in stronger faith. They grow up and praise the Lord. God has been gracious. But have you known your past level? It's not the standard to measure your Christian walk by, but to become the mature body of Christ. You know what? It doesn't matter where you are in your role and in your journey. There's more. And God wants us to grow and mature and to, 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 to flourish. 
It's when we are stuck. And it's just like, God, I am so happy being a baby. I don't want to grow anymore. This is where I am. It's like, that's not what he's called you to. You know, it's, it reminds me of that whole Lucas thing. I've shared this testimony once before, but, but Lucas, one time he had a bad dream, and, and he says, you know what? Uh, he came in, and he's all scared, and Cindy says, it's okay, son. Like, it was just a dream. And uh, she says, you know what? In this time, God can show you who you are so when, more, when tougher problems come your way that you could be prepared for that. And he's like, ah! I don't want tougher problems than what I got right now at age eight. Are you serious? And we laugh at that because it's, it's so true that we know that harder things are going to come his way than what he faces at age eight. But yet, there's some of us who just are so satisfied being eight. And God's like, I've got more for you. Step into it. Walk into what I have. We as the North American church have suffered loss by not living in spiritual community. It's so much more than just a Sunday morning service. Hebrews 10 says, Let us hold tight without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to act of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Ask yourself, what has hindered you from committing to be in a spiritual community? You may want to ask the Lord, what does the spiritual community look like in, in, through your eyes? The truth of the matter is, is eternity is spiritual community, so we need to get used to it. My friends, I hope you're doing well spiritually. I hope God has just put fire in your bones. I hope that we're running the race and we're working hard and we're doing what God has called us to do. But we need one another. I remember a friend of mine in Edmonton who says that they go to a big church in Edmonton. I said, oh yeah, tell me about it. They're like, well, just tell me a little bit about the church. I said, what, what are you doing there? They're like, nothing. I'm like, what do you mean? They said, oh, you know what? I love a big church because I can hide. Nobody knows I'm there. I'm like, what kind of church? What's, what's, what's the point? You know what? There are some incredible people in this room. Some people who I just love you to bits. And I've got to hear your stories. And you've got good stories. Man, I, I try to encourage you to share them on Sunday mornings. Because testimony encourages one another. But you know what? It's willing to get out of our little bubble and say, I'm comfortable here. Nobody knows me here. I'm safe. I'm secure. But to say, Lord, what does true community look in my life where I'm being the person that you've called me to be? I don't know. This is not a thing that sign up for a woman's Bible study right now. But maybe it is. Maybe it's walking in that place and saying, you know what? I got to get pressed into men's. I got to get pressed into women's. I got to get pressed into koinonia because I need to meet some people. Maybe it's just seeing somebody after the service today and saying, can I take you to Boston Pizza? I want to hear your story. 
How many people, just show me hands, how many people after the service you're ready, you're available for a free lunch at Boston Pizza? Okay, keep your hands up, seriously, keep your hands up. All right, take, take a look around, keep your hands up. Take a look around, okay? All these people are ready for a free lunch at Boston Pizza, and you can go up to them and say, you know what, you're ready for a free lunch, I'm taking you. Wouldn't that be cool? I want to see that kind of stuff happening. I want our stories to get out there, to be able to encourage one another, love one another. And when we're going through the ringer, then we have a deposit that we can make a withdrawal and say, you know what, I need you. I'm so sick right now and I can't make a meal for my family. Would you be able to bring a meal over today? It would mean everything to me. And they'd be absolutely, I would love that for you, to do that for you. That's what it's all about, guys. We have an advantage. We have Jesus Christ in our hearts. And we're part of a community called God. Membership has its privileges. Credit cards have told us that. But the true privilege is standing in that place and saying, brother and sisters, I need you in my life. I want to tell you what God has put there so you can hold me accountable. Not through, that is not what God has said, but through encouraging on to remind you of the stories, to be that Ebenezer in our life, to say, you know what? Remember when God told you this? Man, that's so cool. How's your journey going? How's it coming? And we can stand back and say, yes, that is good. Sometimes we think that we're lone wolves. And that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to love one another. Carry one another's burdens. Walk with one another. That's the body of Christ. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Would you stand with me? Father God, Lord, we need one another. And Lord, there's people in the body of Christ who, man, some of them are scary looking. Some of them are funny looking. Some of them are like, we would never in the natural pair off with that person. And if we allow our mind to dictate who we are, we are going to miss out on encounters for friendship encounters for life partners, life journey walkers, God. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would show each one of us in this room that, God, as we all take things and we, we allow it to filter our filters and we come up with our answers because of our past and our past experiences, God, would you just open up our filter this morning? And, Lord, would you help us to process this message today through your filter? through saying, God, what would you have me to do to be able to be a blessing to somebody else or to be able to have somebody come alongside of me when I need it, God? Help us to be able to make deposits today. Help us to step out in boldness, Father. Just to go up to that person and say, you know what, I'd like to take you for lunch. God, it's not that hard. So, Father, I just pray, God, that, Lord, that you would increase community, and if there's anything in our hearts or in our lives, 
that are keeping us from that place of community. Would you reveal it to us, God, so we can repent and say, Lord, I've believed this lie for so many years, and Lord, I just want to let it go right now, God, and I want to embrace what you have for us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. We're going to just open up the altars. If you'd like some uh, personal prayer today, I just call the, the, uh, the elders up to come up to, for prayer. And uh, God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.